is the Christmas season. I'm supposed to give diligence to that, and I will do next week, I promise you. Um, in fact, I made this week, but I, 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 I've been talking about praises uh, of God's people. You know, last night, actually, I will talk a little bit about this season. Last night, the lights were everywhere. It was, I was trying to figure out, me and Nathan were trying to figure out, well, how much does it cost to have all of these lights on? We, were, well, how many, we started with the question, how many lights are there in the zoo? We ranged from anywhere from 2,000 to a million. We didn't know how many lights were there. And then we got to the question, well, how much does it cost to light the zoo for one day? For, and we couldn't figure it out. We have a whole zoo. We don't even look at the animals. We come to see the lights. It makes me realize how precious it is to have light. <laughs> and the thing is, we're a little bit spoiled. The reason why we're spoiled is because there's probably no part of our lives that have not been lived where we aren't bathed in light all the time. If we wake up at two o'clock in the morning with the darkness as deep as it can possibly be, we can say, ah, I'm gonna switch on the light and it's gonna be as bright as the day. We don't know what it feels like to live without light. In fact, we are so bathed in artificial light all the day that they say if you wanna see the stars, best to get out of the city because there's so much light, artificial light, that you can't quite see the stars. That's how much light we have. And this season of celebrating the birth of Jesus is about that light that came into a dark world. Now we don't get it because our light, our, our world is lit up with lights all around us. And because it is, you don't really appreciate how much darkness really was on the face of the earth. When this scripture was written, they didn't have lights like we have today. They didn't have the opportunity to just light up darkness. When the darkness came, you just had darkness. Yes. When the night was there, that's just not. I remember seeing um, a replica of the very first light bulb they ever made, commercially. It was about this big around. And they, I remember I, I watched, an, excuse me, I read the newspaper article about that particular light bulb, and they were talking about this light bulb like it was the light of the sun. And when I went to see it, it was barely enough to light the room we were in. But this, back when they, when they came out with this light, it was a miracle of, of science that you could have this dim, barely, barely light light, and they were calling it the light that pushes back the darkness. Why? Because they got so accustomed to darkness. Last night, uh, funnily enough, when we were done with the zoo, we had the unenviable task of trying to find my car. We spent about 15 minutes. We didn't get a reference correctly in our head about where the car was. So we had to go, and the problem wasn't just that it was dark. The problem was it was dark and I was trying to find it using sound by getting my alarm, setting the alarm. But the problem was there was about 10,000 other people with the exact same idea. They're all beeping their horns trying to find their car and I'm trying to beep my horn trying to find the car. Now, it was hard enough and there was light in the, in the, in the parking lot. 
Can you imagine trying to do that with no light at all in the parking lot? Can you imagine trying to find your car with no light at the zoo without your, in the parking lot? Everybody, 80,000, was it 20,000, 30,000 people there last night? It was packed. <laughs> but whatever how many people were there, can you imagine everybody fumbling around in the darkness without any of those Christmas lights trying to find their car? It's going to be impossible to find anything in that darkness. You're going to be bumping into each other, you're going to be... You're going to be trying to figure out, and that was actually one of Nathan's other um, uh, ideas here. How are we all going to get out of here? How, there's so many people in this place. How are we getting out? But it would have been an even bigger question had you switched the lights off and we were all in darkness. None of us would be getting out. What do I mean then about Jesus then? The scripture says he was the light to, of the world. We were fumbling around, bumping into each other, not understanding what was where. We couldn't find our ways home if we tried. We were all there trying to get out and we couldn't do it because we were all in darkness. But thanks be to God, to the light of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to St. John chapter one real quickly, really quickly, St. John chapter one. This is not where I'm going from, but I just want to go there. St. John chapter 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. St. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm not going to dwell here. There's a lot of text here, but I'm not going to dwell here. The same was in the beginning with God, that this existent Word, this beginning of the Gospel, different to all the other beginnings of the Gospel, he starts the beginning of the Gospel in the beginning of everything. He starts the beginning of the gospel, not with the birth of Jesus, but with the birth of everything. The existence of the self-existent God. He starts there. It's no, no, no uh, surprise that he does so, because when he thinks about Jesus, all he can think about is the self-existent one. <laughs> and verse 2 says, the same was in the beginning with God, that this birth Christ was in fact there from the beginning. That's something we have to get up our right heads around as apostolic teachers and preachers. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Thank you, Jesus. The life was the light. We get so caught up sometimes that we don't realize that life and light are connected. There's this um, term for, um, you've seen those sunflowers? They have this huge head. It's a beautiful flower, beautiful orange and yellow flower. And it has this particular sense of, it's called heliotropism. It's a big word. I looked it up the other day. I was really proud of myself. Heliotropism. Heliotropism. Meaning when the sun's going through the sky, the flower head follows the sun. Wherever the sun goes, like if the sun reversed its course, that sunflower is going to reverse with it. It is connected to the light. <laughs> it knows that I've got the best shot of living if I follow the light. Like if the darkness comes, it'll just, just do this. 
But when the sun comes up, it springs up and follows it across the sun. I see it with my plants at home that if I'm not careful, they start growing in one direction towards the window. Like you see the branches reaching out towards the light. I am that heliotropic plant reaching out to the light. Can you imagine us now, 20,000 of us in the parking lot last night, and one person's got a flashlight. And he shouts out, I'll help you get home. That's what Jesus did for me. He said, I'm gonna help you get back home. That's why this Advent season, I'm so excited. Because this represents me being able to get home. And the question, that Nathan put to me, well, how much does this light cost? I started to think about this last night. How much does this light cost? And this is important because this wasn't free. Getting me safe, saved, getting me out of the darkness was not free. It cost me, it cost him. Thank you, Jesus. The scripture says that spirit became flesh and dwelt among us. Let me go read this because I'm getting ahead of myself. And the light, verse five, verse four, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. This light came in, and we all pointed towards it. What is this? We are in darkness right now. What is this? This is light, right? And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. No matter what the darkness did, it could not overcome the light. The thing about, is, about darkness is, it is the absence of light. It is not a force by itself. It just needs the absence of light. The absence of the light is what creates darkness. As soon as you shine, darkness has to yield. It has to give space. That's why the scripture says, is let your light shine. As soon as you figure out where the light is, shine for others. Let your light shine. <laughs> Let your light shine. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The, sa the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. So John was the first person to see to everybody, there's a light. Why is that important? Because some of us are walking around not just in darkness, but with our eyes closed. <laughs> You're walking in darkness and you've got your eyes closed, which necessarily means that I've only got to, not only have I got to shine the light, but I've also got to open your eyes. Amen? You've got to shine your light so that the, the light, the world can see exactly who you are. Amen? Oh man, I'm, gonna, I'm excited about this. The same came to witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He was not that light. Let's not get this twisted. He wasn't the light. Thank you, Jesus. He was not light, but was sent to bear witness of the light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Everyone that came in was in darkness. But thanks be to God for the light of the world. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm excited about praising him. You know, I know 
you know, I know if I get technical about this, you're going to say, well, Mark, um, December 25th, when Jesus was born, you are absolutely right. It probably isn't. To be honest, there isn't the thing we invented, the Gregorian calendar and all these different types of calendars. I know it's just a day. I know these things, right? But the truth is, people like you and I, we don't need much excuse to give God thanks. I will sing a Christmas song in July, if that's what we need to do. To be honest, O Come Let Us Adore Him is a Christmas song, but we sing that in, in June. We sing O Come Let Us Adore Him in June. So don't make, no, don't try to confuse me with which December he was born in. I do not care. Let's bless his name. Let's get him. Get me an excuse. Get me an excuse to bless him. <laughs> you could make it on July 5th, August 10th. Give me a good excuse. I made up Psalm Sunday. I made it literally up last week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, come on. But we were still blessing him on the made up day. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. I will bless his name. I will bless his name. Thank you, Jesus. It's important that we remind ourselves of these moments. It doesn't matter the date, but it does remember, it, does, it is important that we remind ourselves that he came, that he was born, that he was, that he lived, that he performed miracles, that he raised up on the third day. Thank you, Jesus, that he rose up with all power. We gotta remind ourselves. We have to remind ourselves, we have to say it to ourselves over and over again. The scripture says to uh, write, write, it on our, write it on our fingers and bind it on the fleshy tables of our heart. Repeat it to yourselves over and over again. Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. And so when we received this savior, the first thing that greeted this savior was praises. I love this. And let's go to um, Luke chapter two. I love this version of Luke. I, I'm giving away my message for next week, but that's all right. I, I'm giving away my, my, my early Christmas message, but that's all right. Luke chapter two. This is the birth of Jesus from Luke's perspective. Remember um, that uh, uh, John has started off with, with the beginning of all things. In the beginning was the word. Only God. Only Jehovah. Only the self-existent one. And then he tell you know, this is why I get confused when people can't understand who Jesus is. And the word, the self-existent one became flesh. It told you right there. Became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, be, we saw him. We looked right at him. John was telling you he looked straight at the one that was in the beginning. The one that was, if you've seen something, it was created by him. I looked at him. That's what he was saying. But Luke doesn't start that way. Luke starts in chapter 2 by telling you the details of the beginning. He wants you to know how it went down. He wants you to tell you specifically about some of the things that happened. And remember, Luke is a writer that is so, 
connected to the Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit, he wants you to see not just that things happened together. It wasn't a coincidence. This was the Holy Spirit moving. So Luke's account makes you connect more and more to the Holy Spirit moving and moving things and items and people and confirming with shepherds and whoever else. He's, he's showing you that the Holy Spirit was moving. Luke uh, chapter 2 reads this. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. From Caesar Augustus. Could somebody just read that for me, for, for me real quick? The world should be taxed. Yes. And this taxing was first made when Cyrus was governor of Syria. Right. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So this is, a, this is the backdrop that somehow uh, Luke wants you to see is that the reason why Mary and Joseph are where they are is because of some event done by this man called Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, just from a historical perspective, is the great grandson of Julius Caesar. This is important because he changes his name to match Julius Caesar. And everybody from that point, every emperor from that point has the name Caesar in it. Right? They had this, and then on top of that, Caesar takes the last name Augustus, which actually means holy one, mighty one. Mm. But, and Luke points this out, that the reason why they're there is because this fake king has drawn them to this position. But there is no angel declaring Caesar Augustus. He makes you know that while Caesar is there pulling everybody and pushing everybody to be taxed, that there is a king coming who's greater than Caesar Augustus. That this Augustus, this mighty one, isn't as mighty as you would think. Let's keep reading. And Joseph fourth also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage so this random event, this taxation, this registration is happening and everybody's got to go back home and literally say, this is me, I am, I am a person. Just, it's a census essentially. I'm here, this is my age, this is who I am, this is what I do. Let's keep going. To be taxed, verse 5, with Mary, his espoused wife, yeah. being great with child. Yes. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. So now we know that the only reason why they're there is for some other reason. They're not there on purpose, not on their purpose. But the thing is that is we know is that the Savior has to be born in Bethlehem. That's what the scripture says, that's what the prophecy says, that he's gonna come out of Bethlehem. So the things that seem random to you, be careful. Some of it might be the purpose of God. You think you're out of sorts and things aren't working. I can imagine they were stressed out. We're not at home. We're not around our people. We don't have a house to stay in. We don't have any of those things. And we're going to have give birth to our child now? This has got to be the worst kind of moment for them. But out of the worst moment for them, out of this dark time comes light. Ah, I'm starting to realize that I'm going to get a bit comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because sometimes that's when the Lord can move me. The greatest is when I'm in this moment of discomfort. Don't have my family around. About to have a child. 
having a child back then isn't like having here. There's no epidural, there's no nurse sitting around the corner. You are on your own. So she's facing uncertainty, facing darkness, but out of this uncertainty comes the light. I don't know if you've ever felt lost before, how when we were trying to find the car, it was so frustrating. We were going back and forth. And everybody else is doing the same thing in that parking lot. Everybody else is clicking their thing. I wanted to tell everybody, stop! Let me find mine first. Let's do it one at a time. Darkness was chaos. It was chaos. When I found my car, I was so relieved. First thing I did, switched it on. Light, I feel better now. I then switched on the lights of the car. Every light I could find in that car, I switched it on. I'm not, I'm not losing this again. When you have been in the chaos of darkness, you can't wait to get some light. Uh, when you've been in darkness, when you see light, you're not losing that light again. I'm not losing this. No one could have encouraged me to get out that car for love or money. Wow, come on, sir. Come on. Wow. Yes, sir. Like it now. I am now in the light. What's that song you sing? I'm living in the light now. I'm not getting out of this. I'm not leaving this. You know, we still had a ways to get out with. We were 20 minutes looking for the car. Yes, sir. Yes, we still had to, but I felt way better yes, in the light. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was still stuck. I says to tell you, I says, we still ain't gonna get out of here when we get the car, but says, at least we'll be in the light. You know, we're still stuck here on earth, but at least we are in. Still struggling with a few things. Still haven't get all where I want to get together, but I'm in the light. I'm living in the light now. Couldn't get me to get out of that car if you tried. I'm on my way now. <laughs> Once you experience darkness, you don't want, really want the darkness again. And you do everything to get out of it. Thank you, Jesus. Where did I get to? Ver Yes. While they were, they were there, the days were accomplished that she be delivered. And verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the end. What we find out is that they are in some situation where the only place she can lay her child down, this is how desperate they are, the only place they can lay the child down is in the place that animals eat, in a manger. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She's obviously prepared for the birth, but then she wraps, she puts him in a manger. The this, contrast this with Caesar Augustus, who is somewhere in a palace somewhere, miles away from this moment, and has commanded the known world to go to your homes. Contrast it for a moment. But the thing that Luke doesn't, isn't talking about right now, that John talks about, is that this Child is the word. 
this child sitting in that manger, if anything's created, it was created because that child that's wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This is a, this for them was a non-event. This is basically a homeless person giving birth to the rest of the world, but for some people who are in on what light is, Here's the thing, when you're in darkness with your eyes closed, you don't know that the lights come on. Which means that when the light comes on, somebody has to tell you, hey, it's time to open your eyes. You've never used them before because you've been in darkness, didn't make any difference. But let me lift your lids so you can see. And that's what's happening right now. The light is in the world, but everybody still has their eyes closed. No one can see it. All they see is the manger. Uh, all you see is this young woman from a no tribe sitting in a place that should be reserved for animals because your eyes are closed. You can't see that the light, if you could see light, you would see how much light there was in the world right now. Let's keep reading because we're going to see how the light gets revealed. Verse 8, and there, yes. in the, they were in the same country. Yeah. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields. Some shepherds were sitting in the fields. Yes, keeping watch. Keeping watch. Over their flock by night. Over their flock. This is as random. You've got to think about this. This is as random as you can be. And I use the word random because really in the background I'm saying this is the Holy Spirit moving. This is God himself moving in the earth. No one lets a king come to their country without greeting them the appropriate way. If King Charles, he's a king now, comes to the United States, they don't just let him get off a regular passenger ship and just go about his business. You have somebody to greet him when they come. <laughs> somebody has to say, okay, the king's here, do we, is he meeting the president? What's he doing today? What's he doing next week? What's his itinerary? Let's see what's going on. But somebody usually declares that the king is coming. Let's keep reading. And lo, verse 9, the angel of the Lord came unto them, upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. The glory of the Lord shone yes. around the particular moment. We see now the glory of God, and it becomes evident to the, the shepherds in the field that the glory of God is there. They see it. They do this because angels have entered the moment. But they don't do this for Jesus. Don't you think that's really, really interesting? That the glory of the Lord is shining and they see it immediately. But where Jesus is born, we don't see the glory shining like that. That has to be revealed because you need to see it with your eyes that are currently closed. Let's keep reading. Verse 10, and the angel said unto them, Fear not. Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. I'm going to give you a message that we've been waiting for, for since the beginning. Since Adam messed up, we've been waiting for this news. I need you to understand the anticipation of this moment. Since Adam broke his relationship with God, we've been waiting for this correction. The, the epistles refer to this as the second Adam. <laughs> that the first Adam was back then and that this is the second Adam. 
We've been waiting for this second Adam yes. since you, the beginning. Amen. And what does he say it is? This is great joy. This is good tidings. This is great news for the earth. And this great news for the earth is resting where? It shall be to all people. Yes, keep going. For unto us, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The Savior has come. The Christ has come. That is Christ the what? And where did the glory of the Lord shine? On the shepherds, but not where the Lord was. <laughs> this man, Jesus, is being revealed to us, not with your normal eyes, but he's been revealed by the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading, keep reading. Yes. Which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Okay, this is the other thing that was thought was random here. He tells them as, as little instructions as you possibly can. But I was trying to figure out how they found Jesus. Because all he told them is, you'll find the babe in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling clothes, in a manger. But it also occurred to me, he said this to the one group of people who would know exactly where to go. He tells the shepherds, you'll find Jesus, in the place where you feed sheep, in the place where you feed animals, wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's important because no one else would probably have known where to look, but the shepherds knew exactly where that must mean. They take off and go straight to where he is. Let's keep reading. In verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, yes. glory to God yes. in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards So this is the moment where we see heaven rejoice. Heaven understands where, what's going on, but we don't see it because we're in darkness with our eyes closed. <laughs> no one sees it. No one understands it. We are the ones who have to let our light shine so that it can see the light of the Lord. They're not gonna see it. They're not gonna understand it. The, uh, the heaven understands but earth has to be revealed to. Let's keep reading. God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, verse 15, as the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto Ah, us. gosh. The Lord let it be known to you. Let me open up your eyes. The light has come. The light has come. I'm rejoicing in this season. The reason why I rejoice so much isn't just that he has come. And this is the thing we have to really make sure we repeat to ourselves. He didn't just, just come and that's it. But I need you to understand he's coming back again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ah, uh, he was light. He is coming back again. And we can live like uh, we're, we're living in darkness, but I refuse to go back to fumbling around in darkness. My eyes are open. When he comes next time, you're not going to have the time. Have the time to be told where he is. Right. You better see him coming when he comes the next time. 
You better be ready when he comes the next time because there's not going to be an angel coming down and saying, go to Bethlehem. You better be ready when he comes this next time. You got a chance. The angel was wanting to make sure everybody knows this is good news. The next time you better be ready. You better be ready. You better be ready. We used to preach these messages a lot when I was younger. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The Advent season should remind us that he came, but it should remind us also that he's coming again. We used to sing a beautiful song that he's coming back again. He's coming back again. Glory, hallelujah, praise his name and lift him up. Praise God. He's coming back again. So we beckon you, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. We beckon you, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This moment of Advent is the opportunity to reflect that light has dispelled, has destroyed, has pushed back the darkness. For me, I'm never getting out of the darkness. I'm never getting out of the light. I will never go back into the darkness. I know that confusion feels like. I know what that fear feels like. I know what that doubt feels like. I am going to be in the light now. I'm living in the light now. May God add a blessing to this word in Jesus' name.